Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Boundless Body Radio. We are super excited to have you. My name is Casey Ruff. I am your host along with my co-host, who is actually our guest. She is my wife, my business partner, somebody we are very fortunate to learn from today, Bethany Ruff. Bethany, welcome to our show. Hello, hello. Super (laughs) nervous to record our first one, although we've had 10 million conversations before. So why are we so nervous to put this out there? Uh, Honestly, I just, I feel such a, not a responsibility, but a duty to all of the fantastic, amazing friends, clients that we have that I always want to be learning more and conveying what I'm learning to them in the most efficient um, manner possible where they can easily apply what I'm learning to their lives. And so just want to give them something really quality to listen to on their drive. I love that. Why has podcasting in particular been so important for you to learn from? Um, honestly, I would love to say I love reading. There's nothing like cracking open a book and sitting down. But by the end of the day, after doing the type of work that I'm doing, I just don't find that I have quite as much energy, um, attention to focus as I'd like. So driving between clients, homes, walking in the afternoon, just any gaps in time that I've got during my day, I usually utilize to uh, listen to a good podcast or pull up Audible, just trying to always be learning. I love it. Um, Why don't we get started with a bit of an introduction and learn a little bit more about you? Um, I'm just going to take this directly from our website. Um, I think this is a great way to classify what you do. Bethany Ruff's purpose in life is helping people move themselves out of pain and into their most optimally functioning body. Her entrance into the field of human movement began as an exercise science major at the University of Minnesota Duluth. From there, her passion for corrective exercise and rehabilitation grew into something she could have never imagined. During her time in the fitness industry, she has expanded her knowledge base and a capacity to serve others by earning specialty certifications. These include a comprehensive Pilates instructor course through Peak Pilates, advanced certifications in structural integration through the Rossiter system, as well as corrective, excuse me, corrective exercise specialist and performance enhancement specialist certifications through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Her precisely tuned eye for movement, posture, and alignment in the human body, coupled by her passion for helping people heal, excuse me, helping people heal, makes her a powerhouse. With a consistent thirst for learning, she will work with you to find the underlying roots of pain and dysfunction and will integrate a tailored approach to a more optimally functioning, functioning body. Wow. Lots of big words in there. That was hard for me to get through. Well, I feel really good about myself. I feel pretty <laughs> genius after hearing that. If you could just do that anytime I walk into a room, that would be great. <laughs> you usually make me do that anyway. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you first got into, let's go um, Pilates first. Well, I was working for a large corporate gym, um, and I was living in Colorado at the time, and I was training for a national education role. So the role I was training for would essentially be to work with the personal training staff in the neighboring states um, and kind of develop those trainers to help build each of their individual personal training teams. And it was in that process that uh, there was one specific business meeting that our team had and our Pilates coordinator, which I knew, but not super well, got up in the front of the room and she started talking about Pilates. And for whatever reason, it was like tunnel vision. Everything else in the room kind of went fuzzy. And it was one of those moments where you, if you really tune in, it just, it aligns with your next step. And it just felt like 
I don't know why, but I just need to do this. So without ever taking a Pilates class, honestly, probably only one or two yoga classes prior to that, um, I signed up for my first very, very comprehensive uh, level one of Pilates, Reformer, Matt, all the different apparatus, um, and I fell in love with it. So now you got into Pilates basically with no experience. Is that what you're saying? Um, I had training experience leading up to it, so I had received my um, corrective exercise certification from the National Academy of Sports Medicine. I believe at the time I had also just finished my performance enhancement also, so I knew that I liked the training world and I knew I had some of that eye for corrective. I knew that I wanted to take someone who didn't move well and get them to move well, and I, I just didn't know what that what that bridge was going to be, and it turned out Pilates was absolutely the next step that I should have taken. Interesting. Now, you mentioned in college, you chose to go the route of um, exercise science versus I believe you were thinking about maybe getting into something like uh, physical therapy. Um, can you explain the difference of prevention versus trying to fix something when the problem arises? Well, I uh, I went in with my undergrad of an exercise science uh, degree and I enjoyed the learning. I enjoyed the college experience. I learned a ton while I was there. Honestly, a lot of what I had to test on, what I was, you know, forced to memorize, um, things that I got out of a textbook just weren't, they didn't stick in my brain because I hadn't worked with an actual body or human in which I could apply that. And so it was, it was just not as exciting um, and real time, I guess, as I was wanting. And I knew that if I continued down that path, I would eventually get myself into several more years of school, which would include the physical therapy route. And I, I wanted a chance to be able to work with bodies who still had a fighting chance at moving well before injury. Not that if you go through physical therapy, that's not an option. But I wanted people who wanted to seek me out, who wanted to invest in their health, invest in learning why their body wasn't moving the way that it should be moving. And just, I don't know, just a little bit more hands on during before it was it was all just the reactive side. I wanted to be able to get to those people a little bit sooner and see if my eye in combination with the way they perceive their movement, if there's anything we could tailor to possibly prevent an oncoming injury. Oh, that's great. And this is all before you and I met, correct? This is several years before we met. Yep. <laughs> Can you de uh, describe um, us meeting what that was like? Um, we both work, were working for the same large corporate gym. You were living in Utah um, and we're working a metabolic role, which required you to travel to neighboring States. Um, it was not too long after I'd committed to, starting the level one Pilates certification that you came into our club to do a little club visit and work with our metabolic team. And clearly it was love at first sight. I was just going to ask if it was love <laughs> at first sight. That's great. Um, in your intro, you mentioned structural integration. I think um, even people in our field doing what we do have a tough time understanding what that is. So can you describe what structural integration is and what that means to you? So if we just take the two words structural in my work, what we're dealing with is a lot of soft tissue. If you know anything about soft tissue, it is all encompassing. That's including muscle. That's including connective tissue like tendons and ligaments. It's including the entire nervous system because there's obviously every tissue in our body is innervated. 
So we're dealing with the space that someone has in their structure, and we're looking to create as much of a continuous chain in that movement without any breaks in that chain. When there become breaks in the chain, whether that's scar tissue or fascial adhesion or whatever it may be, bone growth in some cases, there's going to be limited range of motion. There's going to be a break in that that fluid chain of movement. And usually there's pain associated with that. So what we're looking to do um, with the work that I do with Rossiter is to create as much of an even unbroken gate for that person to move through so that they have the proper restored space that they were born with. So that's a very lengthy way of, of essentially saying we're doing muscle and connective tissue release in a two-person pin and stretch method. So can you describe that a little bit better? Um, I believe you're describing the Rossiter system, correct? Yes, this is the Rossiter system. So I've actually been lucky enough to work with uh, Richard Rossiter himself in uh, my level four and pain slayer levels, which are just continuing education after you finish the core four, um, as well as some very, very smart um, people that had also gotten the opportunity to train under Richard. And we are, like I said earlier, doing a two-person pin and stretch, unlike massage, unlike physical therapy, unlike what most people have experienced with different physical therapy modalities, is I'm using my foot as the tool, which can sound kind of alarming, if especially if you're in pain, someone's going to step on you. But we have the coach, which is myself, and the PIC, which stands for the person in charge. So that's the body that's coming in, that's either dealing with the pain, dysfunction, imbalance, and they are in charge of the entire session, meaning it's not where you're just going to lay down on my table, get cracked and moved and stretched into some phenomenal positions you've never felt before and leave without pain. It is a very, very involved the client, the person in charge, you are coming in with the willingness and the energy to work and move and stretch and communicate with me, which is highly important. So for example, let's say that your low back was hurting. Um, my favorite fixes for low backs, the ones that usually work are not touching the back whatsoever. So let's say that we go into one of the legs. We're going to test three different spots, maybe high, medium, and low, um, on the thigh, for example, and it's up to the PIC, the person that's getting stepped on, the person in charge, to determine which of those three spots either sent the most referral pain, uh, brought the pain that they came in with, felt the worst, and then it is also their job to decide how much weight I give them and how much weight they take throughout the movement. So each technique lasts anywhere from 15 to 40 seconds, and it's, again, constant commun communication the client is very empowered to be moving themselves out of pain instead of a lot of traditional approaches, which is I'm going to show up. My insurance is going to pay for this. I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to go through the same one size fits all stretches. And then the pain's not going to come back. Interesting. So that's what's kind of interesting to me. And you mentioned earlier that the body works like a chain. And so I would think if I had shoulder pain that we would be addressing directly my shoulder. But I've seen time and time again where somebody will have pain in a certain area and you'll go to a completely different area in the body. Why is that? Well, of course, on the first couple of sessions that someone comes in for, if they come in for shoulder pain, they need to feel the client in order for the nervous system to become into the parasympathetic state where unwinding, unraveling, rest and digest, healing can happen. The client needs to feel heard. They need to feel like their pain is a real thing. It's very subjective not one same stretch or technique is going to work the same way for everybody, but 
everything is connected to everything else, which makes this this method so powerful and so effective because let's say that the shoulder is hurting. It usually didn't just show up like, boom, I fell on my shoulder. Usually it's, okay, maybe I have a desk job and I'm sitting and I'm typing and the desk angle is not ideal for me and I'm having to look down a little bit too far into my screen. Maybe my forearms and wrists aren't all the way supported on my keyboard, which is causing some some excess tension in the shoulders. Maybe it's an old sports injury on the opposite leg or foot. The body has a fantastic way of, of accommodating movement around pain in order to make you continue to move um, with the least amount of bother, with the least amount of energy strain. So I tell my clients, it's it's the victims that do the crying out, never the criminals. So we need to search. Obviously, the person needs to feel heard and acknowledged, and we need to see if the area that they're feeling the pain is is the root. 85 to 95% of the time, I would say it's not. Um, but that has to be them feeling a change, walking in between techniques, blending the difference in tissue, me watching them move, me hearing, what do you do when this pain happens? What do you do to compensate around it? What do you do stretch-wise or therapy-wise or medication-wise to soothe the pain? And, and all of that information over the series of however many sessions it takes, and that's very variable for each person. Um, but each of those little nuggets of information will give us get us closer and closer to the root of, of why they're in pain. I really like that. I like how you talk about getting to the root of pain rather than just addressing certain symptoms locally where they are. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Can you give me a specific example of somebody you've worked on that you were able to help heal? Uh, well, I'm very fortunate to be able to sit here and kind of go through like a mental file of people that I've gotten the opportunity to work with. And it's important to me that this work is never the healer versus the healed. I look at it like I've put a lot of energy and time and and education, dedication to what I do. But if I don't have a body that's receptive and willing and open to the work, nothing is going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But um, I do have, I have a cool, um, standout example that's popping into my brain for whatever reason. Um, So she comes in and she's got quite a bit of neck and trap pain. So if you're unfamiliar with the anatomy, the trap is that large kind of easily irritable muscle that's in between the neck and the shoulder. And anytime she would turn her head or look up or down, uh, turning to the left was especially painful. Um, So First couple of sessions, like I said earlier, I want her to feel like I'm not just overriding what she's feeling and where her pain is and how it's showing up. And so we go to the closest area. We're working shoulders and forearms and biceps and triceps and the other side. And she's feeling like things are unraveling a little bit and loosening and a little bit lighter and some more blood flow here and there. But we're just still not getting the desired result that we want. So these sessions, we're not just hammering away at somebody for hours on end. Uh, We'll cap it off at about a half hour, 45 minutes, send them on their way, give them a few days again to like blend, blend the new tissue space, get back to moving the way they were moving before, let the pain either revisit them or stave away a little longer. And it kept coming back with with a vengeance and uh, her mobility would improve, but the pain would always show up in that same spot. And so that always tells me the body is screaming at us that We're not going to the right areas. So once I get that client um, a little bit more willing to expand where we're working, uh, we found that the opposite side inner thigh was actually pulling and restricting the space of the neck. 
So I won't bore you with the details and give you an unsolicited science lesson today, but um, I study anatomy trains and there are a bunch of different fascial meridians, like I was talking about with that unbroken chain in the body, that we want to make sure there are no stuck points, like a detour on a road. We want a smooth, easy transition. We want to get there the most efficiently. So without expanding into this lower body area on the other side of her pain, we would have not addressed it. And since the pain has not returned and she's been totally mobile. So you just never know that's, it's kind of the victims versus criminals. Interesting. That's awesome. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit here. You are a boss. You are the co-owner of your own company. Tell me a little bit about the story of Boundless Body LLC. Um, well, it kind of was born at the very beginning of when the world shut down. Um, it was March 17th and I went to work. I believe it was a Monday. It was like every other Monday. Maybe it was the 16th. See, I can't. I think it was the 15th, actually. Oh, okay. Well, see. Remember I... there was an earthquake on the morning of the 17th. If things couldn't have gone any worse or weirder that week, uh, two days into shutdown, we actually had an earthquake in Salt Lake City. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was around that week that I went to work and things were very normal. And by that afternoon, our large corporate gym that both of us had been working at for a combined 20 years had shut down with no date of returning open. So we obviously like everybody else had a little bit of moment of panic, um, a little bit of some days in sweatpants, some depression, low level, and then it wasn't really a question. It was the one of the first sunny days in March or beginning of April. I laid out on the front lawn and just thinking, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? Tons of stress, tons of anxiety, but just this, this similar to how I felt when, when I first got introduced to Pilates, that tunnel vision of this is uncomfortable. I don't know anything about this. I'm going to just step into the unknown, but this is what I need to do. And I, I truly believe it's those moments in our life that if you can tune in, if you can trust your gut, trust your intuition, it'll lead you in the right, down the right path. And, and it definitely did. And I started, I opened the notes section on my iPhone and started typing out what, what do I want to be? What are we? And there's several different names and little taglines came up and boundless body was the winner. That's great. Tell me a little bit about the name boundless body. Why? And I have to say we're in this together, but you get the credit for coming up with boundless body. I was completely on board when you said that's the name you wanted. Um, what was the, what was the idea behind particularly the word boundless? What does that mean to you? Um, you know, nothing like official. I would love to just have an, a quick little elevator pitch or even an official mission or vision, but I want, we want to help people come up with tools and resources, unlike what they've ever gotten before, with their full participation and cooperation to, to live a life without bounds, to be able to eat in a way that's not a diet, to be able to move in a way that's not painful, to be able to get great quality sleep, to be able to say yes to as many experiences in their life that they want to be happier, fulfilled people because of all that they cultivate for themselves because they can. And, and that just feels very powerful to me. Do you think most people understand what they're missing? Like, do, do people know how good they could feel 
by eating the right way, um, moving properly, doing the right kinds of exercises. Do most people even understand how, how great and easy life can be? I think you don't know what you don't know. So you're living in the only body that you've ever experienced. And I think unfortunately for a lot of people, they are doing the best they can. They are working the hardest that they can for their families, for themselves, you know, using the degree they spent so many years and so much money, you know, earning. And I think that a lot of people just feel stuck. They're burning the candle from both ends. So it's coming at the sacrifice of I'm being the person I need to be for my friends, my family, my coworkers, but I'm not looking out for myself. Um, I think in some situations it's, it's miseducation. I think in some situations people just need somebody in their life to, to tell them and see that they can do it. That's awesome. Where can people go to find you and your work? Um, well, you can visit our website at www.myboundlessbody.com. Uh, we also have a fully functioning Facebook page, and you can find us um, on our individual pages, which will feature a lot of the same stuff, uh, feature featuring videos, uh, Pilates videos, different bodywork education, fun vacations we're taking on our individual Instagrams, and that's at Bethany Lee's Ruff. Awesome. That's great. Why don't we take a brief break? I feel like you are going to start to grill me. Your turn. Uh-oh. Uh, let's take a quick break. back. Um, Bethany, I think it's time you can ask me a few questions. Um, shoot. Well, man, I should have been prepared with a little official bio for you. So sorry. (laughs) Well, um, everybody who has met you knows you in person knows that you obviously have some, uh, perfectly spiked Blonde hair. That's what's really uh, important. That's what's really important. All right, so here we go. Casey Ruff has been a certified personal trainer since 2007. True. That's a long time ago. (laughs) How old are you? Uh, Let's not talk about it. (laughs) He successfully ran a metabolic testing program for a large gym and oversaw 13 programs in the West region. He has multiple certifications as a personal trainer, lifestyle coach, and performance enhancement specialist. With his nutrition coaching certifications, he specializes in low-carbohydrate lifestyle, including ketogenic diets. He has helped thousands of clients over 13 years learn how to achieve their best lifestyle through movement, lifestyle management, and proper diet. He lives in South Jordan with his gorgeous wife, Bethany, and their two dogs and cats. In his free time, he loves to cycle, play hockey, and paddleboard. Casey... How did you get into all this? Uh, first of all, you're right. That does feel way cool. Right? <laughs> Makes me feel pretty awesome. Oh, boy. So I was studying architecture in college. Um, I was working at a bike shop, and I decided to join a local gym that had just opened up. Um, it was it was a little expensive, um, but I decided that I really wanted to make it work. I needed a place to train in the off-season. And while I was there training, I was watching the personal trainers and they were using heart rate monitors. Um, I had been using heart rate monitors for a very long time. Um, I used them in my cycle training as a teenager. In fact, my parents before college for my birthday gave me a TV VCR combo 
um, yeah, I'll, I'll, wow. ex- I'll explain to you what a VCR is, uh, later on. But anyway, um, they bought me that for the, for my dorm, um, so we could watch TV and movies, but I returned it so I could buy a polar heart rate monitor. I still remember the case and the cover and I would track my heart rate and my stats. Anyway, Did they know? The, the, my parents? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They were a little offended at first, I think. But um, that's that's just the kind of nerd that I am. Um, and so watching these personal trainers um, try to use their heart rate monitors, they were trying to use something that I had used as a, t- as a tool for many years. And it was interesting to watch them struggle through what, for me, was like, I, I could work a heart rate monitor and use the data to my advantage. I, I could do that in my sleep. That was before people were really into counting steps and that everything was just coming through an Apple Watch. Yeah, correct. Um, Apple Watch was not a thing. I don't even think an iPhone was a thing back in 2007. I think that's the year it came out. Um, And yeah, nobody was really talking about steps at all. That came much later. Um, But heart rate was an interesting way to measure your intensity and measure how hard your body's working. So people have been using heart rate monitors for, you know, decades at that point. And... I had no experience in personal training, um, had no idea what that entailed. And so um, my former boss called me bright eyed and bushy tailed. I just marched right into his office and I asked him how I could get a job. He told me about an online certification that I would need to get. And so I ordered my material. I studied and studied and studied and studied to pass this test, which was not very easy for me to pass. Um, and I was hired in March of 2007. And ever since I have been training and using heart rate monitors and helping people understand, um, how that can work in their lives. How did you, how did you utilize that to get uh, clients better results as far as, um, reaching their goals? So part of what I did, um, as my role as a metabolic specialist, uh, was the title, is to measure people's respirations as they are doing certain activities. So we can measure people breathing when they're resting. We can also measure people breathing as they're exercising at certain intensities. Now, the breath contains a lot of information that most people don't realize. So the more somebody is breathing, the more they are burning calories. And so if I'm sitting down resting and I'm breathing pretty heavily, it just means that I'm burning more calories than, than say, somebody who, you know, says they have a low metabolism or a low metabolic rate. That just means they're not breathing as much. Um, and that comes from burning less total calories. And so if you have the right tools, you can get into that and discover how people are using their calories, again, while they're resting and while they're exercising. And so one of the things that we would do as people were, Um, using this metabolic test is we would set up their heart rate zones to determine which intensities would burn which kinds of calories. Um, We already talked about, you know, calories being a thing, but there's also different types of calories that you can burn. You've got two different energy sources that the body uses. One is fat and one is carbohydrate. And when most people say they want to lose weight, what they're saying is they really want to lose fat. And certain intensities are better for your body to be able to burn off fat and to burn stored body fat, which is what most people want. And now most people don't realize those intensities are usually a much lower type of intensity um, than where most people are working out. And so we could use those tools to show people not only where they're burning the most calories, but more importantly, where can they train to burn the most fat calories? And so 
You did that for several years before getting your nutrition coaching certification, before coaching low-carb, keto, and then carnivore. How did that transition happen? How did what you learned and applied with metabolics and taught clients with metabolics change and shift as you kind of delved into the nutrition world? So that's a great question. So I had been racing road bikes for several years um, and doing what most endurance athletes do. So I would wake up, I would, you know, on a training day, maybe have a banana and some oatmeal, um, you know, maybe a piece of toast, something to fuel my performance for the bike ride. I would load up two water bottles, usually with something like Cytomax or Gatorade, just basically a really high carbohydrate, sugary type beverage. And I would get on the bike and start riding. And before long, your energy would drop out. But luckily, you would carry with you gels and, um, boy, cliff bars, bananas, whatever, all these different calories. On team rides, we would stop at a gas station. My thing that I, I loved doing was buying those double chocolate grandma's cookies um, to come in the two pack and just eat both of them, like just down the hatch. And my performance, just like pretty much everybody else back in the day, was all based on um, eating enough glucose and carbohydrate to fuel your performance. And that's just the way we did it. And I'll never forget, there was a day, I believe this was 2012, um, I was in my office on a conference call with a coach out of Colorado. His name's Bob Sibahar. Um, I'll never forget this call. He said that he was training his endurance athletes on a lower carbohydrate diet and that they would be out competing on world stage races like, um, you know, the the different triathlons, um, Ironman triathlons, and they would fuel their performance with very few calories every single hour. There was no gels. There was no energy drinks. Um, what energy drinks they had, there was much less of them. And he would say that he would feed them things like bacon and butter, things that had a higher fat content and virtually, you know, pretty low carbohydrate diet for the time. And at that time, it just absolutely blew my mind. I was just like, what is this guy talking about? How are you going to have any kind of energy when you're not taking in constant carbohydrates through training? And so I started to implement some of his principles that he talked about, um, which he called metabolic efficiency, which just means you're teaching the body, again, to burn its fuel from stored fat. So most of us have an excessive amount of body fat on our bodies, and most of us want less of it. And fat can be an energy source, just like carbohydrates. And if you create the right circumstances, the body can pick out the body fat and use it as fuel and throw it in the fire. And I found really early on that that was the case. I needed you know, to eat less. I needed to fuel my body less. My performance um, was just the same. But I became less hungry. I burned off body fat. I remember every single day I needed to take a nap or I needed a snack between clients. I couldn't go very many hours without feeling really hungry, without feeling hangry, um, again, needing a nap every single day. And all that stuff kind of went away. So um, I thought we were on to something and um, really just haven't looked back since. That is pretty cool and very innovative, especially for the time. Um, so spoiler alert, we're going to have to have you come back and listen to some more podcasts in order to 
learn more about what is ketogenic, what is the difference between low-carb, high-fat, and keto, what is carnivore, what makes them all different. Um, but what would you say is, is something that would be a takeaway? Let's say that somebody listening resonated with what you just said. They feel like they're spinning their wheels. Maybe they're an endurance athlete. Maybe they're not, and they're just trying to take up an endurance sport because they recognize that they need to lose some body fat. What's something that you could give them to start today that they could apply that would would make a big difference for them? Yeah, that's a great question. So over the years, I've learned that calories in the way that most people talk about them don't matter in that particular way. It's not that, you know, the calories that you burn and the calories consumed don't matter because they do. But most people think of calories and they think that they need to move more to burn more calories and then they need to eat less so that they are consuming less of the calories. And that is what we call a negative caloric balance. And people can lose weight in that way, which is great. But the problem is, if your body is used to burning 2,000 calories every day, and then you start moving a lot more and you start feeding it a lot less, your internal metabolism is going to reduce over time. Meaning, if you're used to 2,000 calories and you start eating 1,500 calories, over the course of time, your body's going to get more and more used to burning 1,500 calories. And anybody who's ever done a calorie-restricted diet will be able to relate to this. It's January 1st, normally not January 1st, normally the first Monday in January um, when people feel the most motivated and the gym gets uh, its busiest. But we, we um, have a resolution and we decide we're going to join a gym and then we're going to go on a diet. And people notice that it works. The first week, you might lose a few pounds, and that's that's great. The second week, you're maybe a little bit more tired, but you lose some weight, maybe not as much as the first week. Maybe you lose one pound. The third week, you're starting to feel really tired, really fatigued, especially as the week is dragging on, and now you're maybe not losing hardly any weight at all, yet if you compare how you feel a few weeks down the road versus how you felt when you started, you now feel more tired, you feel literally colder, as the body temperature is reducing, your energy just kind of feels pretty lethargic. Again, I notice more motivation from people in the beginning of the week. And by the end of the week, they're just so tired and craving carbohydrates. And they just eat all the donuts and end up undoing all the results that they got in the first place. And now they have reduced their metabolic rate, or the number of calories that they're burning naturally. So now the weight gain starts. And it gains weight, people gain weight in a way that they they don't even go back to where they started. They ended up they end up being, you know, maybe 10 pounds heavier than when they first started. And that's what happens when we just tell people that they need to go out, do a whole bunch of exercise, do a bunch of cardio, and then eat less. So if there is one takeaway that I would want for people to have is that I, I want them to focus less on calories and more so on what those calories are going to tell your body to do. And I think most of us can agree that 1,500 calories of Twinkies is going to react very differently than 1,500 calories of, say, broccoli, right? So we just want to make sure that people are getting the right kinds of calories and, and again, creating an environment that they can burn stored body fat. And the thing that I've gotten to work the most, the most consistently across the board for 
pretty much everybody, is some form of a lower carbohydrate diet, which can include all the diets that you mentioned. There's many different tools and ways that we can leverage that with people, but we really feel like reducing the overall load of carbohydrates that most people are consuming is is the very best way to teach the body to burn fat. Very interesting. I'm sure we're going to have some listeners who are whose ears are burning and want to tune in to learn more. Um, so just to kind of wrap that up and paraphrase, just to make sure that everybody understood that, that I understood that, it's more about replacing the quality of what we're eating instead of just reducing the quantity. Yeah, correct. Cool. So same question for you. How did this boundless body come to be and what is your vision for it? <laughs> it came to be with a lot of resistance. <laughs> this was, um, I mean, this has been for everybody a very interesting year. Um, like you, we had that period of time in March where, you know, things were very unclear um, and we didn't know with any certainty what would not only, you know, happen with the people that were employing us, but what would happen with our clients, the people that we were training? Um, I often compare the situation to, let's say, a game of basketball. And, um, you know, in the beginning of March, the game of basketball was played on a basketball court and you could have five players on each side and the ball was round. And if you shot behind a certain line, you'd make three points. Well, with the pandemic, all of the rules of the sport had changed. Um maybe for a little while, maybe forever. And so basketball in this example would be now played on a round court and you could have 11 people on the court instead of just five. And if you shoot behind this line, it doesn't do anything. The score would be exactly the same. It's, it's similar in the sense that the rules have changed in March and we needed to be flexible and pivot with those rule changes so that we could continue to help our people. So we noticed that lots of people that we had worked with didn't feel enthusiastic about going to work out with a bunch of other people indoors. Um, they weren't coming to the um, corporate area that they were coming to before um, because they were all working from home and they realized that they actually enjoyed working out from home and they could get creative with the equipment they had available to them and they liked not commuting in and they like workout designed based on what they had. And so for us, I just think it was a pretty easy transition to start our own company and really pivot to what people wanted and what the situation was so that they could continue to get help. That easy, but terrifying, easy, <laughs> terrifying. but terrifying move. For sure. So what is, what is your vision for boundless body, which is now a thing, which is now a functioning business? What do you, what do you want for people? Well, I think we are extremely fortunate in that we have so much more time and energy available to us. We can work with a smaller number of people in a really kind of more intimate way and, and helping to keep them safe. And with this extra energy and time that we have available, I, boy, I just really would love to help as many people as possible. I know that sounds pretty cliche, but I mean, look at this. Here we are. We're sitting down. We're having a conversation. We've had these conversations a million times, and now I have a platform 
that we can release this and help people out and hopefully they can learn something. And we just never would have had the time or energy to do this before. So not only do I want to continue working with people one-on-one, um, but I would love to use the extra time and energy to have a greater outreach and help more people learn and understand how they can um, do what we say at Boundless Body, which is create your best life. That's super cool. Makes me really, really excited. Um, and I know we have three final questions that we both want to kind of bounce off of both of each other. Um, do we want to take a break before we do that? Yeah, let's take a quick break. All right, Casey. So we got three questions for you. So Casey and I, um, I got to give him credit for it. Every Saturday for the past couple of months, we've been asking each other these three routine questions, either when we're just hanging out together on our patio or out on a walk around our neighborhood. And it's a great way for us to reflect and make ourselves better for the next week. So question number one, what did you learn this week or change your mind about? Ooh, that's a great question. Who came up with that again? I want to say it was me, maybe, (laughs) maybe we'll give you credit. Um, This week, I wrote a blog about the importance of sunshine and vitamin D. Um, You can go to our website at myboundlessbody.com if you would like to read it. Um, And it was really fun to study the topic. I was glad that I was introduced to this topic Um, several years ago. You and I learned a little bit more about the importance of getting sunshine, getting vitamin D, getting your eyes accustomed to the sunshine, um, sun gazing, those types of practices, and also getting the skin ready to be outside in the sunshine. And one of the points I made in the blog is it seems a bit weird that we have had millions of years of evolution with the sun, but now most people are completely afraid of it. So one thing I was able to learn is just a little bit more about that topic. It was really fun to revisit and um, be more mindful about getting outside and and getting lots of wise interactions with the sun, as we like to say. That's cool. And you said uh, you have a link for that one. Where can people check the article? So just right at our website at myboundlessbody.com. And if you click on blog, you'll see that and all the other blog posts that we have created so far. So go find a nice comfy spot in your yard in the sun and give it a read. (laughs) Great idea. Same question to you. What is one thing that you have learned or have changed your mind about in this past week? Um, well, those that know me personally, my clients, friends, um, know that I came from a pretty rigid, structured military background. So lots of instability in my life just because of constant moves, but a lot of structure just in my household. And that made me kind of become a person that's a little bit more rigid than I would like with the outlines of my life as far as how much time and energy I allot for myself versus the people around me versus the things I don't know that I want to get better at and just need the time and and clarity to throw myself into. So um, I really, I learned this week by um, getting, getting a chance to download a book, an audio book called Triggers by Marshall Goldsmith. Um, Really great book, very applicable to business, personal life. Um, just about four key concepts that I really want to implement into, again, my personal life. And that will, of course, trickle into our business. 
by the end of each week, I, I want to figure out what I want to create that I haven't created yet, whether that's, again, something that will directly benefit or impact a, a body that I'm working with or just an overarching theme that will will benefit our business. Uh, what do I love that we have going on that I want to preserve? Um, what do we need to eliminate something to make more space for, for something new, different energy, um, a new idea? And then finally, what do we need to just accept? What What is the way that it is? And what's something that's, that is working well for us that we want to keep having happen so that we can keep moving and taking steps in the right direction as far as expanding and reaching more people and getting the people that we are working with even better results. So just just learning how to kind of meld the personal and business roles together so that it's a more cohesive, fluid and happy day. Now, I can vouch for you when you say that you'd love to learn. I, I, I see you taking as much content as you do. Um, you do take in a ton of content, but I don't know that I've seen you make as many notes or stop a book as many times you've stopped during this one. So it must be a great one. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I maybe I have the memory of a fruit fly, but I I'm very detail oriented. So I hear something and I want to remember it. I want to stick with it. So one of my most frequently open apps is my notes section of my phone. It's everywhere, everything I'm journaling. And I just I want to be moving through life in the most conscious, intentional, productive way that I can, again, for the sake of myself and those around me, um, I want to be making as much of a positive impact in the time that I'm on the earth that I can, um, and using my passion, my skills, um, my talents to, to, to better people and, and better the world around me. So yeah, I, I like to, I like to be able to be in tune. I don't think I would have ever imagined a life or a world when we were working for a large corporate gym that I would have had the time or energy to invest in these kinds of things. So I'm loving it. That's awesome. I love it. Next question for you. What do you wish you did better? Um, great question. Um, this year I've been fortunate to restart my meditation practice and I've been really consistent with it, which I've really enjoyed. And through that process, I've learned that I don't tend to get stuck in the past as much as I get stuck ruminating about things in the future. And I'll, I'll give you a specific example. Just this last week, we've, we've had a house repair. Um, we had a water leak of some kind up in our ceiling and we had that repaired this week. And my, my thought is, well, what happens if this leaks again? What happens if I need to get this fixed again? And I keep ruminating over and over about the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And I realized that I'm not dealing with life presently when I'm worried about things that may or may not ever really happen in the future. And so I've got two quotes in my mind this week. Um, I apologize for not having the exact quote for either one. Um, so these are going to be um, improvised. But um, the first one, again, paraphrasing is um, a, a quote from the book, uh, The Power of Now. And it's from a monk who asked the question, what in this moment is lacking? And it's just a question to say, what, what do you have to deal with right now? What is the problem right now? And generally speaking, pretty much any time I ask myself that question, I don't really have a problem right now. I might be worried about something in the future, but that's not going to happen just yet, or maybe it's not going to happen at all. And so it's really useless to spend a bunch of time worrying about the future, um, which ties into my 
Second quote, which again, paraphrasing from Mark Twain, is something along the lines of, I've lived a life of many troubles, most of which have never happened. <laughs> so um, I'm keeping both of those in mind this week to remind myself to remain a little bit more in the present. Oh man, so hard to do. I feel like everybody listening and their sister could relate to that. Yep, especially in 2020. So as far as as mine goes, wishing what I did better. Uh, So many things, so many things. But I, I think the overall theme is just realizing that you trade stress for stress. There's always going to be something if we wait until everything lines up and it's a perfect sunny day and the roses are all standing upright and there's butterflies and unicorns, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life uh, from what I've found. And sometimes the happiest that you can be is when you're just kind of what you were saying, accepting what's going on right now, staying present in that moment. And part of that for me is just giving myself some grace for the things I can't control you know, the clients that have things in their lives they can't control, which affects their schedules, which affects my schedule. Um, you know, bad weather days. Um, I'm waiting on a Pilates reformer that was, if you've been ever excited about your first car, this is how I feel about this Pilates machine that's coming. And I have heard nothing about the shipping. And so just like the water leak, you know, in my brain, I'm coming up with a thousand different stressors of the box isn't going to get here. It's going to get here when I'm not here. It's going to be damaged. And Really, perception is reality, and you're only making hell for yourself if you're doing things like that. So acknowledging it, recognizing that I'm a human, and just, again, giving myself some grace to accept what I can't change and just kind of just sit with with being uncomfortable because it will resolve itself. So I think this podcast is a good example of that. Um, I mean, how many podcasts have you been hosted on versus hosted? Let me count. Yep, this will be the first. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Shoot, I can't find it. There's there's a button on my podcast mixer that plays crickets. I was going to try to play <laughs> what you're thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this isn't going to be the most perfect podcast. We don't have any experience in yeah, this. Yeah, hang with us, guys. This will get better. This we'll is going to be a little, a little rough, but... Uh... I'm sure the audio quality isn't great. I kind of messed up the little bumper and, and muted it a little too soon, so it didn't fade nice, so... Um, bear with us as far as that goes, but we've been sitting here trying to come up with like the most perfect podcast with the best conditions. And, you know, we, we sit here and worry about everything to the point that we don't record. This is our first recording. We've been talking about this for months. And so I think we're to the point that we'd rather put anything out there that's good and refine it to be great over time. Hopefully it is very, yeah, I think that's a, a huge one to be proud of. Overall, I'm 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 really really proud of that we've taken a scary, unsure, uncertain situation that neither of us have ever experienced in our life and had everything shaken up like a snow globe and had all the people that we usually rely around us to be strong and stable kind of falling apart also and watching their businesses struggle and watching them not know what's coming next and watching them, you know, have a rough go of it. It's, it's hard for anybody right now. And during all of this craziness, but I'm really proud that we took that energy and turned it into something that is going to make the world a better place. It's already making both of us better people. And 
it it's always easier to not act. It's always easier to just sit in that resistance and sit with what you're used to. But I, I truly believe because I've experienced that when you lean in and tune into those those uncomfortable moments, that's when that's when the life happens. That's when the beautiful stuff happens. So is that your answer for the third question, which is what's one thing this week that you are very proud of? Yeah, I I think knowing how much I resisted doing this and knowing how many excuses we both tried to give each other and bailout options and and I tried today. I tried to delay it again today. Right. And we can always be busy, but we we need to we need to just dive in and that's the only way to get better at something is to do it at all. Yeah, that's great. Is that the answer that you'd give for what you're proud of this week? Um, no, I had, well, I'm, I am very proud of that. I'm glad we're doing this, but I, I had an incident this week, um, that I was really proud of the way that I responded. So in the past, what have I told you and other people about my reaction or response to something like an emergency situation? Um, well, the few times that there would be a code called at the, at the gym that we were working at, you would probably usually run the opposite direction and, You'd be the first one to call yourself out on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would always tell myself the story of me not being great in an emergency situation. And um, earlier this week, I was driving along a really busy road and um, going pretty quick. And I saw out the window a lady who looked unresponsive on the ground and two or three people standing above her. And they looked really confused. Now, normally, again, I probably would have told myself, like, ah, you're not very good in, a, in an emergency situation. They've got a handle on it. Don't worry about it. But instead, I pulled right off the road as fast as I could, broke into a full sprint. Um, I told somebody to call 911, and I went through CPR protocol. And as soon as I tapped her on the shoulder, luckily she woke up. So it was a very strange situation. Nothing really happened. But I'm, I'm really proud of myself that... You know, even though I've been telling myself this story that I'm not good in an emergency situation, it's just that it's just a story. And it, it wasn't it's not true. It wasn't true in this case. So that's something I'm very proud of. Look at you breaking bounds, breaking bounds, being boundless. <laughs> um, why don't we close um, with some concluding thoughts? What is you, you asked me earlier, like, what's one thing that somebody could do? What, what for you is one thing that somebody could walk away from this conversation and apply simply in their lives and have um, a better outcome? Move. Motion is lotion. Even if you've had surgeries, even if you've been told by someone in a white lab coat at any point in your life that you have X, Y, or Z, you have this name of this syndrome, this disease, this whatever it is, whatever your structural limitation, whatever your mental, emotional limitation might be, move. The best workout you can do is the one you've never done. So let's say that you've got pain moving in, you know, three different, three different specific positions. We know that it hurts to get up and down off the floor. So, okay, then I can't get up and down off the floor. So that takes out a lot of exercising and it doesn't feel great when I do squats it doesn't feel great when I try to do a push-up or put any pressure on my wrists. There are you can walk. There are different surfaces you can walk on: grass, cement, rocks. Get out of the shoes that are binding your feet up. Start to just find any possible way, even if it's laying down or standing up and breathing. If 
finding a way to tune in to your body, to find that inner communication, whether it starts with just the breath, whether it starts with, you know, placing your hands around your stomach or your lungs or your heart and just feeling connecting between the nerves in your hands to your heartbeat, tuning into your body. You can never go wrong. You can always learn a ton. And I, I just feel like that's such an easy, simple step that anybody could make. There's no specific workout routine you need, but once you can start to free up or find more movement variability and more movement options, you start to replace I can't with I'm trying to. And that's that's what it's all about. That's how you move yourself out of pain. I love that. That's great. Um, I think my one takeaway from this conversation would be start. Just do something. Kind of like you said with movement, like whatever kind of movement you can do, do it. But make sure that you start. Make sure that you do something because the longer you sit around and wait or make excuses or ruminate about what the exact perfect plan is going to be, it's just more time that you're losing and and not making any progress. So I would say whatever you decide to do, just just decide to do it and stick with it and be patient with the process because it will get better over time, um, but it will never happen if you don't start. And it does not need to look like anybody else's program. It doesn't need to look like what anybody else is doing or what anyone else has done or what any of your relatives tell you, your coworkers give you advice about what new diets to try, or you know what you already have tried. It It's a, you have a complete new opportunity every single day. And we're always here to help you in any way that you could possibly need, but an object at rest stays at rest. So you've got to, you've got to create some momentum. I love that. Um, well, why don't we close? Let's go sit outside. It's let's, a beautiful day. It's let's wrap this sunny. up before, before we make fools out of ourselves. Let's, well, might be a little late further, for that. Further. further. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. Um, stay tuned for more episodes with great guests. Um, we really want to make this something special. Um, until next time, be boundless. Thanks guys so much. We really appreciate you.